welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Good evening, everybody, and I apologize for the uh, lateness. We had a power uh, failure here just as we were ready to connect, so I hope you can hear me. So I just want to uh, take a minute to welcome you. It's Wednesday evening, October the 4th, 2017, and we're now fully fledged into the fall season. And I want to thank you for tuning into the Changebook Radio Show. My guest tonight is Marshall Gillen, and let me see if I can get him live on the line. Hi, Marshall. Have we got you? Hey, Deb. Well, I have to tell you that the power went out just as you and I were ready to go live, and I'm doing the show for the first time off my iPhone, so first time for everything, right? There you go. You got to roll with the punches. We've got to roll with the punches. That's what entrepreneurs do. So let me introduce the listeners to you before we go into this awesome next 50 minutes or so interview. So Marshall is a social media influencer. He's a brand strategist. He's a speaker and an investor. He's also a co-author to all of us in the Changebook community in book number 14, which is close to going to print or going to be released soon, and we'll find those details out. He has been a keynote speaker on social media marketing, utilizing social media to build a personal brand, and also a Q&A open format on business development using social media. So it's quite a treat for us tonight to have Marshall bring his I'm going to say savvy millennial knowledge to us. So, Marshall, welcome <laughs> to the Changebook Radio Show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the, the, those bios are always quite the, quite the thing to listen to. They, <laughs> I, they make it sound so much more formal, I think, than entrepreneurship really is. But, yes, I, I have done those things. Well, I have to agree, and I don't know how you feel, but when I'm – speaking anywhere. I like my bio to be short and sweet because, A, I don't want the audience to lose attention or get bored. And sometimes I'm even just, uh, I have requested to just say my name and just let me get out there on stage and do what I do best. So <laughs> right. let me let me do what I do best and, and ask you some questions. I, I read your chapter today and I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. I was very, well, very compelled. Much. I, I'm really compelled with the way you wrote, and it gave me kind of some insight because I've watched a lot of your videos, and I, I thank you as well as the community does for Jim and Jim kind of aligning you with the Changebook community and just the knowledge that you're bringing to us. But I could hear your emotion come out through your words, and, and I wanted you to know that. And there is an excerpt in the chapter that I want to read, but I always like to start the interview and ask, 
what drew you to the change book series? And I, I don't want to do a spoil for your chapter because I know lots of co-authors like to read, but just kind of give us an overview of what drew you to the community and where, what kind of mindset were you in when you decided to write this chapter? Oh, you know, first off, thank you so much. It was really, really wonderful things you said about my chapter. I, when I, when I wrote it, I was, it was tough for me because I don't write. So what drew me to it really was I kind of wanted to challenge myself one, but I was reading this wonderful change book series and I was re- I was like getting educated. Like I, I'm learning, you know what I mean? Like these books were actually building me as an entrepreneur, but as a human being at the same time. So I was fascinated and I would think to myself like, um, man, how do these coaches do this? How do people articulate themselves so well? Like, I don't understand how, how can I train somebody like that? Because when I read these chapters, they're, they're a story, but they're also giving you like step one, step two, step three. And then I started to think, and I was like, you know what? I can't do that because my brain doesn't work like that. Like I'm, I'm never going to be the guy who, you know, builds the rocket ship plans. Like I'm the guy who gets you from zero to one. And I, and I had to understand that, but I really had to learn how to be okay with that. And when I understood, when I started to understand that that was a shortcoming I was having, that I had something I had to move past, I saw this as a challenge for me to, one, overcome a fear, but, to, you know, to kind of move on from that. So to have to actually sit down and write and then have to actually put my, my chapter into a book that's completely different. You know, I, I have them stacking up against these coaches and these doctors and all these wonderful different kinds of entrepreneurs, and they have these great stories. And I'm like, I mean, these great teaching lessons. And I'm like, well, mine's literally just a story. I don't know how it's going to do, but... I'm going to go for it because this is me trying to do, you know, trying to break that habit or trying to break that fear or that limit. So I went for it. And uh, when I sat down and, and did it, you know, I was worried when I sent it off because I was just like, oh, this is so much different than most of the story. So um, I'm relieved to actually hear you say that. So thank you very much. Well, and I want to say to you, let, let me give you kind of a parallel for what you just said there, said there in the book. There's all different walks of life in the Change Book series. So you think of 20 authors per book. You just finished in book 14. That's 280 people. But what we have in common is we all have a story and we all have our history and we all have kind of our peaks and valleys, I like to call them, that we go through. And yeah. I think that you, you really wrote from your heart in your chapter, and I love that you didn't candy coat it and, you know, say that you threw the red cape on and became this millennial social media kind of wonder boy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You you, you yeah. took us back to where you came from in rural Illinois. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things, because I'm a mom, so when I saw the <laughs> paragraph about your mom and that she's your best friend and how yeah, amazing she was, and what did you learn from her, though? You learned about grit, which is like my favorite psychological term. Mm. And this, I, I'm sure when you were approached, because Jim and Jim are very methodical about who they allow into the changebook community, and they knew that you had it in you. You just needed to work through that mindset. So tell us how you came out of that fear to sit down and write this chapter because you did a really good job and you told a beautiful, beautiful story. I appreciate that. And, you know, you know, Deb, for me, first off, the thing is, is that's what my brand is built on. Like my brand is built on educating entrepreneurs and the whole thing, my entire mission is, is to prove to people that like, 
doesn't matter where you come from or what you do or what you've done. Like in 2017 and beyond, you can become anything you want to just with the social media, mobile phone, and the, and the passion to want to learn or and to influence the world. So for me, it, it's like that's what I'm about. So the transparency for me to put on paper is easy. You know, I really appreciate it. And you're right. I sat down and I put my headphones on. I think I had like some Johann Sebastian like uh, radio on and I like just went to town and I really wrote from my heart, but that's who I am. And that's what I want to convey to everybody I, I encounter. It's like, you know, love can win and passion can win when it's focused and you have good intentions. So for me to be able to you know, sit down and do that, that, that was the easy part. The overcoming part was, like you said, you know, getting out there and overcoming that limiting belief because I've been told all these great things my whole life. You know, when growing up in school and stuff, you know, I, I was always the, 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 on this really, really good side of everything. But then I would come home to this, like, dark side with my stepdad, and I'd be told all these terrible things. So I've always had this, like, this – and I just, I just had this revelation this past, like, 10 days. So you're catching this interview at, like, the perfect time. But I just um, was realizing, you know, my whole life that, um, you know, I've had this conflicting uh, – that I have this problem connecting with higher-level people or taking my brand to the next level or breaking through or seeing myself as the expert, you know. I've been so hard on myself. And meanwhile, I had this pattern from high school all the way through my entire adult life until I turned 33 in, like, two weeks. And, you know, this where everybody's telling me I'm so great, I'm so great, but – I come home, and even years after being away from, you know, my stepdad, I still always have this habit of telling myself I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, you're not right, that's not going to happen, you can't do that. And um, so I met Jim Lutz uh, a long time ago, and I got a chance to talk to him, and really by networking with him and just little tidbits of learning with him, like literally over like the course of a couple of years before I finally cracked and was like kind of started believing in myself, and then, you know, I ended up connecting with Jim and uh, just really learning more from him. And just, you know, he was just like a, like a, like a mentor, but like a, he was a friend to me, um, which was amazing. And he kind of brought me into this whole thing and really helped me break that limiting belief that was like, you know what, man, like you can do this. Like you're good enough, bro. Like you got the it thing. So go out there and do it. And, uh, you know, combining that with where I came from on a farm and, you know, just that blue collar uh, feeling and what my brand is. Uh, it gave me the courage to finally go, you know what, I can do this. And when I finally did take the action, uh, you know, I know we preach it, and I know everybody that's successful forever always says the same thing, so it sounds cliche almost, but it really is true. Like, once you take that action you just do it, you're like, wow, that was not bad at all, and I feel awesome, you know? So it's just been a really, really cool journey. It's opened up a ton of doors, um, and it's got me to meet amazing people. Like I'm on a phone call with you right now today. And like, this is my job. You know what I mean? Like I've done so many worse things for so much less money. Like this is awesome. Well, and it's interesting because uh, as I read your chapter, I will be completely uh, transparent with you. We have a lot in common. I, um, I grew up with an alcoholic mother. So that internal dialogue uh, that you and I both heard we just process that at all those different ages, and it it, count, it comes out, I think, at different times, at different levels, with different emotions, and I know your birthday is October 17th. I did my homework. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit older. I'm a little bit older than you, though. I could be your mom, mom and dad. Oh, and I'm- so, but you know what? I can tell you, I was 31 when I decided to let go of all of that kind of stuff. And I was an entrepreneur at 24. And there's no, 
there's no smooth paved highway to this and you just have to change the mindset and it's authentic now because you're helping people on a social media platform but you're not going to ask them to do anything that you marshall gillen haven't done yourself you already know what you invested emotionally you know, how it affected you cognitively, and you finally just said, you know what, I'm so done with these limited beliefs, I'm going to bring out the real Marshall, and it's going to happen now. And that's what I got from your chapter, and even your videos. You're passionate, you're funny, you know, you bring who you are in the moment, and I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know a lot of millennials, and my perception of observing millennial entrepreneurs is, not only do you guys want to do a good job in what you choose to do, but you want to give and also have an experience. I want you to talk about that in all aspects, both on your personal life and your professional life. Yeah. You know, it's incredible that you say that because I have just been, I've been fascinated with this millennial thing lately, especially because I guess technically I'm like at the, I'm the old man of the millennials, but um, you know, I look over my time, my course of, the, of my life and, like getting back to high school, our our class was always um, from the time we were freshmen to sophomores. We were always like the wild class, like the class you couldn't control. They were they didn't want to follow any rules. I mean, you know, all these things. Like we were always labeled that class. And I grew up in a town of like ten thousand people in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. So we just thought that we were like some crazy wild bunch. But you know, the older I got, I've lived all over. You know, I've lived all over the Midwest. I've lived in the Southwest. I'm now in California for many years. And um, it turns out the older I get, the more millennials I meet. It wasn't like anything in particular weird about my class more than just like this, this whatever this millennial thing is, because it is. It's like I don't know what the what the what the, what the impact. You know, it's an impact. And I don't really know exactly what that means. You know, I know it means that we want to do something that makes us feel good, but we like we're we're very cognizant of that. Like we want we actually want to do good things in the world, but. You know, a lot of times it's like, oh, millennials are lazy or, or they don't they do not do anything. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, we are lazy, but, like, we're, like, actively, like, pursuing the perfect way to make a, a difference and a living while being, you know, by, as easy as possible. But some people are like, oh, that's lazy, but it's, it's, just, it's hard work, you know. I mean, people aren't taking it easy. <clears throat> it's just a different way of working. So it sometimes translates weird to a different generation, but um, – and, and it's crazy because I work with a lot of young entrepreneurs, uh, people that are from 17 to 23, and everyone's telling me these kids are so freaking smart. They're like, they're incredible. They're like little machines, and they learn things so quick, and they understand complex situations. But um, I will say this. The one thing that does kind of stink about it is that the social skills are not as strong. Um, you know, a lot of a lack of sales skills, too, because there's just not enough uh, human-to-human experience. You know, I like to say H-to-H. Uh, experience in their life so you know they create these like crazy experiences um you know in different ways you know they 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 relate to fun so that that's how they experience things and that can be like misunderstood sometimes but that's what's so important about actually networking and connecting in person and that's like that one thing i wish that more millennials could understand especially the younger ones that they could shift that experience from like wanting to just be fun stuff but learning to actually experience what it means to like literally like connect you know, when you, like, go somewhere and you meet somebody and you just, like, connect with them on whatever level it is. And uh, that's the one thing. I mean, the millennials are amazing. And 
our, the generation is going to do amazing things. But if there was one knock against them, it's not laziness or short-sightedness or, you know, anything like negative like that. It's just that I wish that they could connect better. Well, I, I agree with you. I, my passion is to speak and blog about work-life balance. And what I see that the millennials have is almost that 1950s regime of putting in a good day's work, whether it be working for someone or being an entrepreneur, but the true value of relationship and family time. And they don't let anything waver that, take away from that. They're very, very good with what I call boundary management. And their family time is number one priority for them. So for me, it's almost like seeing a generational shift of kind of like fashion. You know how fashion just keeps repeating itself. Right? So I see this, I I see many, many millennials, both men and women, and when they're done doing, you know, whatever makes them tick and makes them go with passion for the whole day, but when they're home with their loved ones, the technology's got a place and a time. And I really find that admirable because that easily could have shifted and tipped it the other way, which I do, which I do see with, with other ages, not just millennials, you know, the parents watching the kid at the soccer game and they're on their phone. And I wanted to share with you something funny that I do. This is just my (laughs) quirky personality. If I'm walking down the street and someone is walking towards me and they're texting, I just stop and I let them bang into me. And my kids are my kids are so embarrassed. They're like, "Oh my God, Mom, are you real?" And I'm like, "I want you to watch their face." So they're looking down, texting. They run right into me. They're embarrassed, and I just said, "You know what? I hope it was really that important." And it, because I'm trying to send a message, like, if something's really important and you need to text, then stop and text. Because you know what? There's always safety elements to technology, and that's what drives me crazy is um, my background is medical case management. So I dealt with a lot of of young kids that got in accidents, and I was right. The end of that career for me was right as phones were coming in. So I, you know, I had the unfortunate exposure to young kids who sustained brain injuries and spinal cord injuries from talking on the phone, texting, so I agree that the technology has a place, but there's always a safety element in it for me, and I think that's just because of the, the space and, and time of where I come from. What do you think about texting? Because I don't even know what the number is per day now for North America, but I'm yeah. sure it's massive. Can you just kind yeah. of chime in on that? Well, I mean, you know what? I'm about to go completely the other way, Dad, because I love texting. <laughs> like, I, I, you know what? I don't, I don't know what it is just because – well, I do know what it is. I like it because I can have multiple conversations at the same time. And for me, it might, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I know that most of my friends are the same way. I'm 30, almost 33, um, and you know, most of my friends are in their early 30s or late 20s, and they all text too. It's just how we grew up gener- generationally. Um, uh, we're able to, I hate the word multitask because really nothing is done together, but it's able to kind of multitask conversations. So if I'm having, talking about, you know, for example, right now, like before we hopped on the call, I've got one conversation going with uh, an event coordinator who's looking for a space for an event we have coming up. I was talking to Jim about uh, some few things about that. 
I was talking to one of my clients about something. I was talking to one of my marketing messenger, our marketing manager about something, and we were closing the deal on a mastermind thing that we had got going on. So I mean, I've got that five different conversations going all at the same time. Meanwhile, I'm able, I'm editing video on the computer, um, you know, pumping out content for my brand. So I don't know. I guess te- texting for me has always been a way to get a lot more done. So when I want to actually have a human to human connection, though, yeah, I'll pick up the phone and call, but. I definitely don't get that. I call my my minutes per. I mean, I I don't really call a whole lot of people outside of like my work time, like my work calls and talking to my mom. Other than that, like it's all pretty much texting. But I meet a lot of people in person. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I I'm, I'm going to challenge you on the multitasking thing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. And I don't even want you to think. I just want you to give me your gut reaction. Lay it on me, girl. If you got five texts going on at the same time, what percentage are you given to each conversation? Well, it's pretty, I mean, for me, it's easy because, like, the girl that's doing the events, all she's doing is showing me pictures. So I'm just saying yes or no. And then for the guy who is doing my marketing, he was showing me a, a ad printout of our car, of our numbers. So I'm just, like, looking at the, da- the data. And, I mean, I'm like, oh, cool, that, that works. You know what I mean? Um, with Jim, he was giving me some sales tips about some some closing tips that I'm gonna I'm gonna work on. So it's it's just something I'm I'm jotting down on a notepad that I have next to me. And there are things I'll work on tonight. Like I go over these kind of weird things. I'm in the shower. It's like my think tank for some reason. And you know, so it's like I, it's not like I'm having any when I when I when I have a conversation that's important. You know, because of technology, there are there are a lot of conversations that I do have to have via text or messenger because that's where the client is or that's the way that I'm building the value of the relationship at the time. So I have to learn how to, I, I have to learn how to be as passionate on the phone like I can be or like I have been just a second ago, just the same through text. So, you know, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying because you're like, oh, well, if you're dividing up all your time, it's the same thing with work. Like, oh, if you're going to divide up all your time, I mean, so many, so many tasks, Marshall, with work, how much are you really giving to each job? Like, you know, I mean, I get it and I don't, I don't, I don't draw, I don't, um, you know, cross the line when it's something that needs my focus or, or more importantly, something that needs like my, my like attention, you know, like my, from the heart. But when it's just like everyday stuff, like tasks and we're delegating things in and out, like, yeah, all day, don't call me with that. My time is valuable. Like I, I, my time is valuable and I want to choose to spend my real lifetime with other people. And if that means, on the phone, like I don't want to be on the phone. I talk to my mom on the phone because that's as close as I can possibly get to having that real life human interaction. But other than that, like it's just texting back and forth and taking care of deep, minor details in life. And then because I'm not taking away from the the real lifetime that I have with being on the phone, it's just like yeah, text, 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 put my phone down, and I'm done with it. It's not like hey, what's going on? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, have a good day. You know, what I mean, it's just like hey, pick up milk. Okay, got it. Like, I don't know. It's easy for me. No, and I and I get it. And I what I what I wanted to get out of you there was the important conversations. They have their own space and time with you, oh, and the ones that 100%. need to be faced. Yeah, and not everybody does that. So I'm really happy no, to hear. So so many people don't. I need that though. Like my heart and soul needs that. Like it really does. As corny as that sounds, like I need contact and like connectivity. <laughs> Well, and you talk about value in your chapter and how important that is to you. So just 
give us a little insight as to what you mean as value as Marshall showing up as a person or how you extend your brand or the combination of both. What do you mean by that? So really for me, I, I've done a lot of crazy weird jobs, but I have always been in pretty much since 21, either a part-time or full-time bartender. And um, so I was very fortunate, you know, later in my later 20s to be able to make, you know, enough money to work a couple days a week bartending in San Diego. And I started to be like, oh, okay, that was when I first learned, right? That's when I, for the, my, my late 20s, I was making pretty decent money as a bartender, like pretty good money to work like four days a week for like, like not even that many hours, like 20 hours a week. And I started to go, man, wow, that's really pretty incredible. I'm paying my bills. I remember this is struggle to be out here. And then I'm like, well, that's pretty good value. And that was the first time in my life I go, oh, that's weird, value. Like, oh, I get it. Oh, that's cool. I get it. I have more value. My money's more value because I have more time. Oh, and that's when the concept really started. So fast forward to the first business I ever started, which was personal training. And I, I started a personal trainer to, you know, create my own job and make my own hours and keep all my own money. Well, really, I just made a job for myself that I had to show up to every day that was underpaid and overworked, you know? And I was like, oh, man. I just lost all the value of everything that I had. And that was the, 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 the power tail. Like I was like, on one spectrum, there was this bartending value that I, I had in this, this whole experience of entrepreneurship. Except when I went back to bartending, I still had to clock into somebody else. I never liked that. I was like, I don't like this. How do I then add more value? How can my time is valuable? Like even when I come to the bar, I might make, I might make 50 to $75 an hour. You know, which is good. But even at the end of the day, like, what if I died? Would the bar owner call my mom? Like, oh, don't worry. He, he made $50 an hour today. Like, my life is worth 50 bucks an hour. Like, who says that? Even if you make whatever you're, whatever it is, like, if I'm not going to have somebody put a dollar amount or a worth or a value on my life. To me, I want to be in charge of what I'm doing and where I'm going because my whole life, everybody's always asking me, oh, are you the owner? Are you the manager? Is this your place? You know, because I'm the hardest working guy. And one day I was like, man, well, if I want to be the hardest working guy, then why can't I do this on my own? And I tried that on my own personal training. I couldn't figure it out because so it wasn't worth the value. So I had to figure out how to create that. So then that's been my journey. That's been the whole entrepreneurial journey the last five years is learning how to create maximum value for my life. Now you ask how, how the other end of it goes. Well, that's how I learned what value was. And that's how I'm trying to create value in my personal life. As you've also, as I've also gone on this journey, I've began to understand the importance of what value is and to lead with value. You know, it's like the great, like Zig, Ziggy said, like Zig Ziglar said, uh, you know, you, you help enough people get what they want in the world, you can get what you want, and that's really true, right? Because free is the gateway to paid, and when you can give people value, and you can give without expectation, then people are going to trust in what you do because the value is there for them too. So um, for me, I've just learned that. It was a, it was a slow, long, slow lasting, trust me, but I learned what value meant to me, what it meant in my personal life. And then I started to go, I started to wake up and go, oh, duh, duh, Marshall. Like, yeah, if that's important to you, then that's important to everybody else. So that means if you want to change people and, and impact the world, then you have to lead with value to get them on your side. And once I figured that out, it's just like, boom, let's help as many people as we can. <laughs> Oh, and it's a great strategy, and, and when you lead with value, what happens is the rapport that you develop with these people is just the whole foundation of your relationship because 
There's no point in being salesy. You can't sell to someone unless you know what they're all about and what their needs are. So I want to shift to your creative mind. And you're a coach, and I know a lot of people struggle with social media. And I want to pick what I think is the number one thing. And, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Why do people have such a hard time with content creation? Because the people, because people have such a hard time with being viewed as like either winning or losing. Everybody, people only post stuff for social validation. That's how the human brain is wired. Like we want, we want that positive feedback. So when people put stuff up and it gets zero likes or it gets one like or you get no followers or whatever, people for whatever reason translate that to self worth, which is a terrible thing. So the people get weirded out about making content creation. They're like, well. I don't want to put up something bad. And, you know, they look at these experts or so-called experts when really all, all that's happened is, yeah, they're probably really excellent at what they do, but they've been doing it a long time and a lot of people know who they are. So they just naturally get a lot of likes. So people start measuring the, themselves against the 0.5% of their industry. And they're like, oh, well, this content's not good enough. Like, why? Because the two people out of the freaking million of them that are doing the same thing are doing, you know what I mean? So this is the thing with content creation, whatever it is, social media, the reason that, you know, I, I do well with social media is because I just live my truth. I just live what I do. Like it's easy. And I go, okay, well, what I do, who does that bring value to? Well, for me, Marshall Gillen, it's entrepreneurs, right? But it could be whatever. Like you could be a doctor, you could be a plumber, like you could be whatever. Like it doesn't matter who, who would get value from what you bring to the table. And if you lead a life where you're trying to create maximum value for yourself personally anyways, then there's probably somebody else that's a chapter behind you, that's two steps behind you, that would find the way that you live life is valuable to them, the insights, the patterns, the habits, the, you know, the thoughts that you have. Um, and when, I, when you understand that you can actually just be yourself, and, if you're, and this is the caveat, though, is that you're really being the best you you can be. That's when it catches on. So if you can share that raw story and you can show those people that are two steps behind you, that are one chapter behind you, you know, um, what it's like to lead, to live that style of life. Well, that's, that's what content needs to be now in 2017. So people get all freaked out like, oh, I don't have this fancy Lamborghini or I don't have this degree or I don't have these fancy books or whatever. Like, no, that doesn't matter. Let those people be them. Like, you know, let, let those people do what they do. You do what you do because there's somebody. Who's the guy? Frank Abagnale, the, the guy, the kid who impersonated all those people. He taught a whole class, uh, a whole class one semester uh, as, as a 17-year-old teacher. He, he, I don't know if you've seen the movie or not, but the 17-year-old kid impersonated a, a teacher. When they asked him how he did, he said, I just read one chapter ahead of the students. You know what I mean? So that's why the way I look at content creation, it's like, just live your life. Document what you're doing. Like Gary Vaynerchuk says, document what you're doing. Don't create it. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Because if you find your audience and you find your voice and you live your truths, there's value in that. And when you can share that, people will love it. The people who need to find it, the people that you have a chance to impact will find it. And then when you sit back and you start to realize that your content and the way that you live your life can actually impact somebody's life, that's really, really powerful. That's like a superpower. People ask me the kind of superpower I want. Like, I want that power of influence because I know I'm the type of guy that can live a life that you can document that will impact people with value. So whatever it is, whatever area you, you do it in, like, 
content creation, just be a good person and document what you do from day to day and let that, that be the inspiration to your audience. It's super easy. Like it works for anything. Just be honest. That's it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I love what you said about social validation and it saddens me. And I, I think it's definitely a contributing factor to the rise we've had in mental health because somebody posts something and no one follows them or likes them I think to myself, what does this world come to? We don't, we don't need to use social media for social validation like you alluded to. That's right. not its purpose. And I, I love it. I mean, you did a video going to gyms and almost got hit by a car. I was watching you, and I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, Marshall. <laughs> yeah. So, again, that's like texting and walking. So no crossing the street doing a video. <laughs> I don't tell my mom. Moms are listening. That's not I true. Won't I think that would confuse somebody else. <laughs> yes, you're you're on my you're on a radio show my, now. I I can't guarantee that your mom's not going to. Yeah, I know, to right? My my girlfriend tells me, told me the same thing. So I know your birthday's coming up, and I know you're taking the whole month to celebrate it, which I think is totally awesome. I know that you were in Vegas earlier uh, this week, and I know that you had exposure to the unfortunate events and circumstance at Mandalay Bay, but I want to extract out of that the good and why you went to Vegas, and I know you went to My Thrive. So tell us why you went and what you've got going on for this whole month and how people can access that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It was uh, a really interesting weekend. It was the best weekend of my life, followed by the scariest 10 minutes of my entire life. Um, but, you know, this is what I've, well, I mean, kind of as an entrepreneur, you always hear uh, networking, networking, networking. That, that, you got to get good at networking. Your network is your net worth. And, you know, in my early entrepreneur years, I didn't really understand exactly what that meant. But now I understand the power of networking. So I've, and this is definitely probably over just the last six months that I've really just made this strong push into building relationships and it's propelled my brand, my life, like my relationships, like to the next level. So I got an opportunity to go to probably the best one that there is. It's been voted the best entrepreneur network in the world for two years in a row. And it's called Thrive. And this whole event thrives about making money matter. And in a world where people get squeamish about making money, you know, nobody wants to talk about making money. Like, yeah, I want to make a lot of money. Like, it's off-putting, you know. But here, it's a celebration of, like, the skills and the and the, the skills, that, the talents that we do have and the ability that we do have to make money because, you know, you, in a different way, you could look at it and say, well, it's being, you know, being normal or being average is selfish. Like, what if your family needs something? What if, you're, what if there's something that you can't provide? Like, you selfishly saying average or normal. This is kind of my t- – take on it so like this is not thrives thing this is kind of my take on it. it's like you know um that's kind of selfish to me right Wait, if why why not thrive why why not have a for-purpose business where you intend to make as much money as possible because you understand the talents and the tools that you possess is is an ability that you can use then to help people who can't who can't help themselves you know so when i was going to thrive this is kind of the mindset i was getting in and it, i was welcomed by the most loving and open community ever they were so great and the speakers were absolutely phenomenal and i got a chance to take my girlfriend with me 
And, you know, like most entrepreneur couples, like there's been struggles to, with balance and understanding between what we do. And it's been really hard on us. You know, it's been really hard on us. And um, she was so supportive and wanting to go to, or and deciding to go with me to this thing. And her whole thing with this weekend was, well, I'm, I'm just going to support my, my boyfriend. I'm just going to support this wonderful man. And by the time we left on Sunday, everything had changed. Our relationship had changed. Her life had changed. My life had changed. And it was like, wow. Like, I really started to live and understand what it meant to, like, give back. So I came out this changed guy. I'm like, not that I didn't want to give back before, but, like, I've been struggling with purpose for so long. Like, why? everybody tells me I'm great, but what am I great at? Like, stop telling me that. I've been hearing that. Like, whatever. It's like, it's like a pressure. Like, I don't – what am I supposed to be good at? And after this weekend, I finally get – I'm like, oh, I get it. I was given the gift of gab and connecting with people – so I can go out and make money, so I can go out and help people that are less fortunate. Perfect. I am down for that. That's how it was. That's how the whole Week in the Thrive kind of got us. And, you know, I thought, well, what better way to, and, you know, this is, so this is the whole event. It happens Friday, happens Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. We get finished at 530, and then Shannon and my girlfriend and I, we go back up to our hotel room, and we had been in this event, like, nonstop for, like, 14 hours a day. We were VIP so we had all these special access and after dinner parties and cocktail things. It was really cool. And um, so we were we didn't leave the hotel at all. So 530, the conference gets over, and we go up to the hotel room, and her and I are just talking back and forth about what Thrive meant to us and what we're prepared to do. And we talked about um, lots of different things. And we were like, for the first time, Shannon and I were closer than we've ever been after four years. And she had this, that she got right in front of my eyes. She went from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset in three days just from this event. And it was this bonding experience like we had never had. I mean, we're riding this all-time high. You know, we joined this mastermind from Thrive, and we're just, like, really excited. And uh, then we decided to go out on the strip that night. And, um, you know, we, we had dinner at Paris, and uh, we left the strip. And then that was right around 10 o'clock, and, and that's kind of when the whole – uh, the whole thing kind of went down. The whole the whole tragedy went down in Vegas, and uh, her and I were inside the MGM. And at the time, we thought there was like multiple active shooters. So, a uh, pretty long story short, uh, at one point, you know, somebody thought there was a gunman inside the MGM, and Shan and I were caught up in um, caught up in a you know tram, sta- tram uh, uh, stampede, basically. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, luckily. There was only it was nothing, but at the time, we literally thought that we were running for our, for our lives, and it was probably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. But that terrifying story aside, fast forward to after the event, and to sit there and be like, "Wow, At there!" I literally thought that I was going to die tonight. Like I, I literally thought I was looking through the crowd, and I was I was waiting for somebody with a gun to come and shoot me. Like I it was, I already knew it because I was like, there's no one to go. I have my girlfriend. Like, I, I don't know where we're going yet. Yeah, I picked her up and I ended up picking her up and just running with her um, because that's what I had to do. But at, for a split second, when she fell down and I had to pull her out from under the crowd, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, there's a gunman coming. So I'm sitting back at the hotel room and I'm thinking this, Oh my God, I thought I was going to die tonight. And it was crazy Deb, because the whole, whole weekend at thrive, all these, all these, Speakers said, and I don't, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't, I don't know what this means. I'm just, this is just my experience. But um, all, all we can thrive. All these 
these amazing entrepreneurs and these amazing influencers that are you know, impacting lives at, at many scales. Um, they're talking about these near-death experiences or, or this moment where they, where they were learned gratitude. And, you know, I kept thinking while all the speakers are talking, saying this, I'm like, man, like, I get it. I'm super grateful, but, like, that would be crazy. Like, how, how do you even get that grateful, you know? And I remember leaving with that thought. And that sat with me then later that night when I got back in the hotel room. And I was like, because in the moment while it was all happening, I was just moving. I just picked up my girlfriend. It was like 20 minutes of sheer nightmare and hell and terror. terror. And, you know, we finally got back to the hotel room. And that was the first time where I actually felt. I was like, it was just a process while it was happening. When I got back to the hotel room, I was like, okay, what was all of this? And uh, I still think I'm probably, you know, trying to figure all that out. But it really put a perspective on how quickly life really can go away if it will, if it, you know, it, I mean, it can. It can be gone like that. And I'm like, dang, what have I been waiting for? Why have I not gotten started helping as many people as I possibly can in the world? Why do I not start right now? And I was like, fine, I'm going to put my money where my mouth's at. I'm going to do what Cole Hatter taught me to do at Thrive and make money matter. So for the month of October, my entire birthday month, um, we're going to be raising money for for a cause. Now, the cause I'm going to be getting behind is going to change after this, but we really have a dear friend of ours um, whose mom is going through a really tough time with cancer right now. She was diagnosed like six months ago, and it's been awful. And right now, this month of October, Shannon, my girlfriend, and I are really focused on making a push. And one, we want the cause to be about making money matter and understand that entrepreneurs have an obligation, you know, like Grant Cardone says, an obligation, a duty, and a responsibility, you know, to create the success for those who, they, who can't. That's a power that we have. And entrepreneurs talk about impact. So, okay, if you want to impact the world, then let's do it. And um, that's kind of where, you know, where, I, where we're heading with that. So it's, it's been a crazy week to, like, okay, I'm going to do this, this um, donation. We're going to donate for, for this cancer drive, and we're going to take all of the proceeds and give them to her. And then I have this membership website that I run and we're going to take basically we're just taking all the revenue that I make this entire month and donating to this cause because we want to really live like I said we want to live our truths right like we want to make our money matter I have the ability with my skills with my platform with my talking ability I have the ability to raise money for this cause and this is what I want to get behind this is the type of entrepreneur I want to be this is the type of entrepreneurs I want to build this is the type of entrepreneurs I want to associate with and I'm going to lead by example like you alluded earlier in the interview you know, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. So as a matter of fact, I'm going to give up all my revenue for the month of October, and we're donating it all to this cause. And any entrepreneur that's brave enough and courageous enough to want to take a stand and actually say, you know what, I too want to make money, and I want a for-purpose business, and I will donate with you, Marshall. That's what we're trying to create. And, you know, it's a, just a little marketing ploy to obviously to tie it in with my birthday and be like, hey, for the whole birthday this is what we're doing. But really, it's just like, yo, people, wake up. Like, let's really change the world. Let's not just talk about it. Let's, let's do it. Well, I'm, I'm proud to hear that. I am a uh, volunteer at our local hospice. So oh, I, I, think, okay. I, think you, I think you got a lot out of my Thrive, and I'm, uh, I'm saddened that you had the exposure that you did, but I think you landed up leaving with a lot more than, than knowledge. So... I, uh, I commend you on that. And, and philanthropy is what, to me, you know, Marshall, I think when we give back, I donate my time. I'm always doing different things. But yeah. sitting with someone at end of life is a privilege to me, and I think it keeps oh, me humble. Yeah. 
I think it keeps me kind, but it keeps what I call, I reference, my moral compass always is aligned. Oh, I love that. And I, I'm just thrilled to hear, you know, that as a young person that you've already launched into that and unfortunately have a friend who has a loved one. But the sad part for me is um, there's nobody I can talk to now that doesn't know someone who isn't affected by cancer. So every right. little bit that we do will cause a ripple effect and hopefully one day they'll find a cure for this awful disease. But oh, it sounds like doubt. you got a lot. It sounds like you got a lot out of this week more than what you probably intended to, to get when you first went there Big with, time. with Shannon. Yeah. That's you awesome. Know, and that's what I want. And that's what I want the lesson to be, though, because it's not about the details of what happened to me, right? It's not, it's not about the details of how, what, what any speaker said or what my girlfriend and I necessarily went through or the tragedy that happened. What, what's important is that people understand that when you do something that's uncomfortable, right, like, like my girlfriend going to this event with me or doing this together, you know, I'm worrying I'm going to build a network. Or, you know what I mean? Like the experience I want people to understand is that just take the action. Just do it. Like, don't be afraid. Do something that's going to change your life. If you've weighed the if you've weighed the balance of it, you know, and you and you, just, and you know it's something that's positive, but you're still scared to do it, do it anyways, because it literally it can change your life. And that's what I want to speak to be proof of for me is that people need to get out, they need to network, they need to connect more, because the more value that you bring to yourself, the more valuable that you make yourself, your skill sets. When you go out and network, it can change your life. Like it's so powerful. And that's what I want people to take away from what I'm doing. Also, I didn't realize until you said philanthropy that that's what that what that's what that was. So I guess I'm a philanthropist. I can barely say the word. That's exciting. <laughs> well, I think we all are, and, and you know, like you said at the beginning of this call, and I just kind of want to wrap up our interview by saying, you know, you can look at all the co-authors in the Changebook community. And I said to Jim Lutz a couple weeks or a couple months ago we were chatting and I said to him, I want to take all the initials away from behind my name because I said it really doesn't matter. I just want to be authentically undefined and just allow myself to live with passion and purpose and be limitless. And I think if we I think if we all did that, Marshall, could you imagine the paradigm shift that we'd have in this world? Oh man, um, you know, yes, I, I would. I can't imagine, but you know, I I, I know where you're at. I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. Well, we just got to keep putting that intention out there, and you talked about that in your chapter. And again, I I want to commend you. I think you did a really good job, and I I only wanted Yay, to watch so one of your videos because I I just wanted to get a snapshot of you. And then I didn't want to watch any more because then I wanted to read to see if the same guy that's on the screen, could I, could I evoke and feel the emotion of you in your writing? And now that I've interviewed you for almost an hour, I would say you're, you're pretty aligned and did a really good job. And, and I just, I love the story, you know, rural, rural Illinois farm boy. And, yeah. and now you're in San Diego, as Jim Luce would say, ripping up the town. And, you know, you, know, you, you know, when you launched your business was the time that you decided to stop that limiting belief and, bring out that great guy that everybody saw in high school and college. And, you know, you talked about all your missed opportunities in life, but I honestly believe as entrepreneurs, we need to have that journey because 
our our story helps us be relatable. And yes. when 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 you meet another marshal or you meet a Deb Crow, you know what? You you get it because you can look them in the eye and listen with intent and say, no I've been I've been there. That's so crazy. Your story sounds my story sounds a lot like yours. You're so right. You're describing the beginning, so I know that you totally understand. Oh, I do, and I'm I'm a health and fitness lover, and I'm I'm an eat clean advocate. So yeah, you, you and I will have to you and I will have to talk more. So I I have yeah. found you on on all your social media platforms, and I followed you. But I just I want to thank you for spending the last fifty minutes with me, and I just I just want you to keep you know what you keep forging forward with who you are and. My dad, I lost my dad at age 21, but one of the last things he said to me was, just remember, when everyone else is watching you and copying you, it's none of your business. You just keep doing what you're doing and don't worry about anybody else. And that is my I advice to you. Because I'm 51, so I can give you advice, right? No, absolutely. I'll take, I'll just, I'll take advice from anybody as long as it's good. <laughs> That's good. So, and I want to, and I know you're going to help us out a little bit in the Changebook community, and I'd love to talk to you more about the radio show. But just an honor and privilege, and I know it's dinner time for you in San Diego. So, so give my love to Jim Lutz because I know you get to see him a lot, and just a yeah, pleasure to interview you. Guy. And you keep shining your light, and I can't wait to see where you are in a year, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. And, Deb, it was such a treat to be on your show. You've created such a unique and amazing platform for co-authors like us. And the power behind that and being able to share that with our audience is just like it's something that's really, really special. And the fact that you're willing to give up an hour of your time so frequently to do that and even more to do the research really says a lot about you and how important I think you are to this entire process in the entrepreneur community. So I literally I couldn't thank you enough for having me here. What an incredible honor. And I look forward to connecting with you more and learning a lot more from you as well. Absolutely, and when I'm in San Diego, I'm definitely going to give you a call. We're getting together. Yeah, we got our fish tacos on me. Okay, it's a deal. You take care, and thank you again. It was great spending time with you tonight. Talk to you later, Dad. Talk to you later, Marshall. So how lucky is the Changebook community that we now have this amazing millennial, Marshall Gillen, not only as a co-author in book 14, but just the knowledge and wisdom and just his unique blend of what he brings with his business acumen. And I love that he has got a background in health and fitness and nutrition. And again, has that exposure to Jim Britt and to Jim Lutz for business coaching, for mentoring. Every week I do this show and I sit here hosting and my smile is so big, it's ear to ear, let me tell you. So despite our beginning technology problems, we make lemonade here on the Changebook Radio Show. We don't let technology interfere with a great interview. So Marshall Gillen, just an honor to meet you and hear your voice and not just see it on a, on a video. And I know he's going to do great things and I'm so happy he's aligned with us. So I want to thank you for tuning in. I will be back next week, October the 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And thanks again for calling in. This is Deb Crow from the Changebook Radio Show. Have a great week, everybody.